Are you looking to optimize your mindset and lifestyle for success? In today's business world, you're in the right place. This is where you get to build your freedom through promoting through Facebook and selling on Amazon. Welcome to Actualize Freedom with your hosts, Wilson and Danny. What's up, guys? Danny Carlson here. I'm your co-host, and today I have a really special guest. It's Kevin Pasco, one of the co-founders of Nested Naturals, which is they're doing about $10 million, eight figures on Amazon FBA right now. Very, very impressive, especially considering that Kevin is 25 years old. You're 25? I'm 26 next week. So 26 next yeah. week, man. Making me look bad. <laughs> but I'm super inspired by what Kevin and his partner Jeremy have been able to achieve with Nested Naturals. So I got some really cool questions for him here. So the first thing I want to start out with Kevin is, I mean, it's pretty easy to skip, you know, one, two, skip a few, you're making $10 million on the internet, but I'm sure there's more to the story than that, right? You didn't just start nested naturals and just learn all these skills and just, just start an amazing successful business, right? Totally. Uh, no, dude, that's exactly what happened. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, how, how far back do you want me to go? You want me to go right back to the beginning or? Just yeah, right, like let's, let's go back to the beginning. Totally. Um, so, all right, so real beginning, I was 16 and um, I never did that well in school. So I was like a C student, maybe sometimes D, like a B was good. Um, and I, th I, I think that I'm smart. I, I think I'm a smart person. <laughs> Um, <laughs> well, now but, it's pretty self Well, yeah, right? maybe maybe now, but it, it never really showed up in the form of grades. So I was always a little bit discouraged, and I was always, like, being pushed to go in that direction. Um, I got I, – I always had, like, a little bit of a passion for just creative stuff, like website building. Like, not even making money, just, like, website stuff. So I started poking around with that. Never really learned how to code, but more, like, kind of the design part. Um, and then I went to – a seminar or something that my dad recommended me to go to of someone that he was interested in which was basically how he could retire and have an online business and that never ended up working out but what it did get me into was the world of online marketing affiliate marketing seo ppc like just all the real like nitty-gritty stuff so I was 16 and playing around with that, and I was fascinated because I loved how challenging it was, how uh, different, and just there was no rules. Like if you wanted to set up an affiliate website and drive traffic this way, you could do that. If you wanted to be an investor and buy websites, you could do that. There's so many different things that you could do. So I always thought that you know deep down inside, I have this passion to like be different, and at times it's really lonely, and I'm sure we'll talk about that a bit later but I always kind of knew that I would do something later down the road that was cool and big. And like, when you, you gotta think when you're 16, you're like, oh, I'm gonna be a millionaire. Like when you're 16, like that <laughs> yeah, is two like, months, it's gonna take two months and boom. Gonna well, yeah, I, I mean, I think that I said by 20, I think I was like, oh, if I work for four years, I'm like, I'll be able to do it. That obviously did not end up working out. It never works that way. Even um, though all the marketers told you that that was how it was going to be, right? Totally. Everyone's it, course. That's <laughs> Everyone's course was like that. And it's like, do no work and make like 60000 a month or something crazy. So that never ended up working out. But what it did get me into was the tactics. And I really learned, and Jeremy and I call it in the, Jeremy, my partner um, in Nested, we call it in the trenches. So you're really just 
slugging it out, you're figuring everything out, you don't have much help, you're just going down this path of like something so interesting and so cool that shows so much promise, but there's not re- you don't really have much to show for it. Like if anything, I had a little tiny, tiny bit of revenue from like one website and that was it. So went through the trenches for a while and I got a mentor, which is probably one of, I would say, which was one of many things that had a ripple effect that led to where we are now. So um, what this was, it was a, a mentor who was actually involved in one of the programs that my dad wanted to go to. Um, and I, uh, I believe that we bought one of his programs and I was just bothering him so many times with questions of like, how do I set up this and how do I set up that? And I think I was the only client of his who actually was using the stuff. Like a lot of people buy make money online stuff, they don't actually end up doing anything with it. So I was just constant, like every day with it. Um, and he reached out and said, hey, um, would you wanna do something together? Uh, basically work for free and help me build a company. Um, and if we make any money from it, I'll share some with you. So that's really how it ended up working out. I did okay with that. It made me enough money for me to move out of the house when I was 18. But then it wasn't long-term enough. And then I spent all the money and I had to move back home at 19. So <laughs> what did you spend all the money on out of I, curiosity? I, so I lived at home. I grew up in Calgary and I um, moved out. I actually moved here to Vancouver. So I lived here for 14 months. I got a condo in Coal Harbor. Um, the, the, the one really good thing that I got from that was my car. So I bought a Volkswagen Jetta, which I just sold a couple months ago. I had that thing for like six years. It was the best car ever. It never broke down. Like definitely that was a good purchase. But some of the other stuff I bought was stupid. I bought two watches that were like 600 bucks each and just dumb stuff. Um, and I ended up running out and, and it wasn't so much the fact that I bought stupid things. I bought a couple stupid things, but it was more the fact that I went, holy cow, I'm making, what was it, $5,000 a month or something. This is going to continue forever. Like, I thought that just because you get to that level that it will continue forever and ever and ever and it will never stop. And it basically stopped and I had savings and I ran out and I went, oh crap, like I can't even pay rent at the end of 14 months in this nice expensive apartment downtown. Especially in Cole Harbor. In Cole Harbor, say, yeah. which, which to be fair, this was five years ago and rents were a lot cheaper than they are now. <laughs> in Cole <laughs> Harbor, God. it's about 20% more. But um, so went back home and this is where I got approached by Jeremy for the idea from Nested. So my uh, mentor at the time had a, a, a business partnership um, venture with me and he also had one with Jeremy. And the difference with Jeremy's is his was successful. So he was actually running that company for a couple of years. It was doing okay. It wasn't as big as Nested is now, but you know, he was by most people's definition successful, working the four hour work week. Jeremy talks a bit about that of, of his experience. And we connected because we had a lot in common. Like we had both been through the trenches. We had both had the same frustrations and struggles and made through. Uh, plus we were interested in the same thing. So, he actually approached me and said, hey, I think there's a big opportunity for us to do something specifically with supplements because a big passion of ours is to do something different and have um, honesty in an industry that isn't so honest. And we thought that Amazon would be a great place to go because they were just starting to blow up. So big frustration when you're a marketer is you work so hard and almost nothing works. So like you can spend 
300 hours on a PPC campaign and it just bombs and goes nowhere and loses money. Um, at least that's what it feels like in the beginning when you don't have your skill set built up. So we felt like, oh, at least there's customers over on Amazon. If we could just convince them to buy us over someone else, we think that we'd be able to get a sale from that. Um, and okay, we, so we, this we is did. the genesis of Nested Naturals right here, right? Yeah. Um, so up to this point, with your other your other ventures and getting started in online marketing stuff, what would you say were the main skill sets that you learned that really that really helped you when you were starting Nested Naturals? What did you get out of those initial failures or you know short term successes that you had? So. I mean, the interest in the learning is huge because when you're in the beginning and you don't know what you're doing and you're just trying to figure it all out, you're going to suck for a while. <laughs> like it's, you're, you're not going to be as successful as you think you are. So you at least have to care and be interested in the stuff that you're actually doing, even if it doesn't work. So if you really love Facebook ads because you love the creativity and putting all the pieces together, you might suck at that, but at least you like doing it. Um, and being passionate about learning, that's also really important. Um, getting the skill sets of being totally honest and going to where the people are and following the data, for lack of a better term. So I there, there's kind of a science and an art between creativity and instinct and then tech skills and data. So if you made all your decisions off of data, products would look really weird. Like our, our products are very science-backed. We have a literal um, research and development team um, with incredibly smart people with masters and PhD degrees and everything that's really scientific to build out these products. But then we also have the creative side of amazing campaigns, wording, branding, everything from the emotional side that comes in. So I think there's a balance between the two where you have to have the skill set of data and one is getting the data period. So there's some amazing tools out there that can give you the data, but then two, you have to be creative as well because a lot of people are buying into your, uh, the feeling that you give them. So we don't just sell supplements, we sell whatever problem we're fixing from the supplements. So when you buy our sleep aid, you're not buying a sleep aid, you're buying a better sleep when it shows up at your doorstep with Amazon Prime in two days or less. So that's really what you're getting. Um, and you have to understand that. So you have to be able to listen really well to what's going on in the market and then be able to adapt to that. Um, I've noticed that we have at times become a little bit too adaptable where it's like if anything changes, we just adapt to it right away. I think that's a really good thing in most cases because people are not adaptable and they push away change. Um, but at the same time, you really need to remember what you're doing and why you're doing it. Um, and if you adapt to uh, the wrong direction and you go too far, you can actually end up harming your customers or your company. So you need to stay true to the vision, but you still need to be able to change a little bit. So great example is if you try to build a company right now that's focused solely on getting into, I don't know, for example, Toys R Us. Uh, didn't they go bankrupt? They, like, I was going to say, they, they went bankrupt, bankrupt like a, ago, a month right? ago or something. <laughs> so obviously not the best idea. So you have to be adaptable and go, oh, gee, I guess my customers aren't in Toys R Us anymore. Where are they going? Oh, they might be going on Amazon. I'm going to go look up that and then change your direction to follow suit. So kind of to summarize, I think being very flexible um, while at the same time understanding what's going on. Some of the best 
I think products and some of the best companies are the way they are from just listening to what's happening and not trying to change the world into something that they want to mold. It's just simply to enter into the world, um, provide value, and if the people and the customers accept them, they'll be embraced and they'll just have this flood of customers. Well, that's such a powerful thing to learn before getting into nested naturals. And I love that you're bringing this up because correct me if I'm wrong here, but I bet you a lot of people, they, they come to you and you're like, oh my goodness, you're 25 years old. You're like, yeah, you have all this amazing success. Like, this is so, this is so incredible. Like, how did this happen in such a short amount of time? But like what you just told us, you started out, you were 16 years old, online hustling, learning all these skills, getting Definitely. all the, the preparation in place. When I was 16 years old, man, I was just worried about, it's like, how can I get a girlfriend? How can I go party? Like, how can I pour money for beer on the weekend? You know what I mean? Like, yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I've thought about this. I mean, I definitely think that there's a trade-off and I think that became conscious over time. At the time, all I cared about and my whole like driver in my mind was really economic. It was like, how can I make money, provide for myself, do something different? have a good life, you know, and I was just thinking about the future and I, I missed out on a lot of experiences that other people had. Like, so I didn't go to college, um, which I'm, which I think was great for me, might not be great for some other people. Um, it obviously ended up working out for me. Um, and I don't regret it, but I'm conscious of the fact that I definitely missed out on a series of experiences in life that I may not be able to get back. So for example, um, I think it, I was listening to an interview with Scooter Braun, Justin Bieber's manager, who is one of my big influences right now for how he runs his business. So I, I, I like the idea of, of an entertainment type business and he's a good example of someone who's not sleazy in an industry that's pretty sleazy. So I, I, I like a lot of the concepts that he has in his head. And he was saying in an interview, which I totally agree with, that because he didn't go to college and he just went into, he worked for So So Deaf and worked with artists like Ludacris and uh, shoot, there's a bunch of others that I'm totally blanking on right now. He got success early, like, like way more successful than I am now, way earlier than I, um, or how old I am now. Um, and he recognized that he missed out on life experiences that he could have gotten and he was a little bit, I don't know if it was regretful, uh, but he was cognizant of the trade-off. And I think that's something that, you know, a lot of entrepreneurs talk about. And it's, it's tough because you're doing all this hard work and all of this sacrifice, like working late and not going out on weekends and just working like crazy and working 80 hours a week so you don't have to work 40 hours a week in a nine to five job and you're doing it for a greater purpose you're doing it for a reason to set yourself up for the future to do something further off to feel challenged to feel purpose like there's a lot of reasons why and i definitely think that it's worth it it's certainly been worth it so far um for what i have now i'm really glad that i had to suck in high school and then coming out of high school and just all the stuff that I went through then to have what I have now. But in the grand scheme of things, what I have now is nothing compared to what I need to have in the future. 
So there's, there's this powerful thing going on of like, you need to suck now to be good in the future, but then your mind starts to take over of, well, if you can make it this far, you can go from zero to one. Why can't you go from one to 10 and then 10 to a hundred? And that's where this like competitive mindset comes in, at least for me, where it's like, it's not that I'm not grateful for having the size of company that we have to help as many customers as we do and to have 18 or 19 people working in an office literally three blocks from here, which are working right now, by the way. Yeah, this um, is really close by. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's not that I'm not grateful for that because I am and, and I think about it you know, all the time. I'm so happy to have all these people and these opportunities and I would never tra- change it for anything. But you're always thinking of what's next. You're always thinking of, okay, it's great that we got to a $10 million company. How do we go to 100? How do we do partnerships and do you know investor raises and all these crazy types of things? When, when you started the company, all you thought about was, man, if I could just make 2,500 a month, I could quit my job and I'd be good. So it's interesting how things change there. I think it's important to think that it's okay to think that there's always something better and it's okay to always push, but you can't be shitty and complain and you gotta recognize what you have because what you have now is probably a lot more than what you had before and it's probably always gonna be like that too. So how do you balance the, the desire to keep growing and continue like that challenge for yourself and like to see what you can do and all of that? How do you balance that with just being dissatisfied with where you are now? Because you can go like extreme on either ends, right? You can just, you know, if you're extremely dissatisfied with what you've achieved and where you are, then you know, the more successful you get, you're never going to be satisfied, right? So like, how do you, how do you find that balance for yourself or, or, or do you do anything to you to be cognizant of that? For me, and this is just a totally like honest, straight up answer. I, I don't know how much it's going to apply to other people who are listening. It, it probably will to some, but I just feel this deep responsibility to keep going. And I was given so much already. So when you think about it, you know, I grew up in a, a middle-class home, um, not poor, not rich, great in the middle. We had food on the table. Um, I had a, a great mom uh, relationship when I was a, with my dad when I was a kid was good. I had two brothers. Um, I was able to go through school fine, go take a risk, not go to um, university take all these risks plus we live in one of the greatest countries if not the greatest country in the world we have opportunity all around us you basically need you can start a startup with like a hundred dollars or less you can go to starbucks and work from wi-fi you don't even need your own wi-fi connection so there's so much going on um and for me personally deep down inside with the vision that i can see moving forward there's this like responsibility to do something incredible and to do something really big. So I, I've thought at times, like, do I really, you know, do I just want to have this like nice little one person or two person business and do like the four hour work week or not, or just work from home and like, you know, have a family and raise kids, which is really important to me to raise kids, but to not sacrifice my professional growth for that. I don't think that there's anything wrong with people doing that. I really respect that. I think it's an amazing opportunity for someone to be like a stay-at-home dad and still 
crush it and make like a million dollars a year. Like that, the, you can't say that's bad at all. Right? That is like super that's badass. Super badass. Um, but I just feel like that's not for me. And I have a vision of doing something A, really big, um, and then B, if I could get it, like the one-two punch would be in multiple verticals. So if I could crush it in the startup space and crush it in e-commerce for this first phase of my life, then maybe go over to real estate investing or the entertainment industry. I have this weird uh, thing that like once I'm, I have this theory that it's easier to become an actor if you're old. So like think of like movies and TV shows, there's always like an 80 year old dude, right? Who gets like one or two lines in a show. And it's like, you really <laughs> think that he's been an actor his whole life? Like, probably not. Like, so I'm like, at the end of it all, I'm gonna go become an actor and be like 75 and get like a line in like a famous movie or something. And oh, just, just to go crazy all over the place because there's almost so much opportunity now that it's almost the problem is you can't pick. Like if I really wanted to, like the Vancouver uh, Film School is a couple blocks from here. Um, there are some massive Hollywood, Hollywood North production companies that are in like literally this part of downtown. If I really wanted to work and become an actor, um, at least one that got screen time, I could probably do it. Or I could build a million dollar company, or I could say screw it and go to Nicaragua and travel. And like, so there's so many things. And I feel like there's a responsibility for me to, to go as far as I possibly could. Because when we started this company, I always imagined it would do well, but I never imagined it would be a $10 million plus company with 18 employees, soon to be 20, and far beyond that, with a huge office space, an in-person team. Like, it's crazy how far you can go when you just say, I wanna do something cool and great, let's go do this, instead of thinking in your mind, oh, a million dollars a year is the cap, when it's not really the cap because you can go a lot further than that. So there's a deep responsibility, I think, and just a curiosity and something, there's just something inside that kicks me to go do it. I don't really know what it is yet, but I'll go figure it out. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely see what you're saying there. Like I can definitely relate on, I think that we live in a time that is one of the most exciting times to be alive, where there is literally the most opportunity, one of the most level playing fields there's ever been in history. You know, the internet and computers have totally leveled the playing field when it comes to business. And like, you can start with so little, you have access to literally unlimited information, um, everything you need to start any kind of business. You can just go learn that for free. You can take free courses on Stanford's website, free Stanford courses. You won't get the certification unless you pay for it, but that's not the point, right? That such an exciting opportunistic time that we live in. So like, I also feel almost a, a pressure, like a, almost a deep FOMO, fear of missing out of, hey, if I don't do this right now, um, this is, I'm missing the boat on the most exciting time that's ever been in totally. human history. Yeah, there's also that saying of, I've heard Tim Ferriss say before, easy choices, hard life, hard choices, easy life. And what that means, and I can see this, uh, I kind of like pay attention to other people's life choices and some of my friends and like people I went to high school with and I can really see that play out. When you make the easy choice and go get a degree, not even to get a degree, but to just take the path that was chosen for you um, and kind of hand it to you and say, just we'll just go do this. Um, it can often lead to a much harder life than if you made 
the really hard choices and put in the hard work early on, it sets you up for a super easy life. I mean, a lot of people, you know, I've heard of, you know, even big CEOs all the way to just, you know, um, entrepreneurs who are traveling the world, you know, they have assistants, they have housekeepers, they have help, they have all this support and it's because they were able to set themselves up for that. And if you don't make those hard choices early on, it's, it's tough to have both, to have an easy life and not make the hard choices. You have to sacrifice one or the other. Oh, absolutely. I mean, I used to be a carpenter and that was the whole reason why I started in business is because I hated being a carpenter. That was the easy choice put in front of me. You know, in high school, there's like some, some course I can take where I get my college credits for carpentry and you go in this and you pretty easily make a, a decent uh, amount of money pretty quickly. But that life sucks, man. Like that, <laughs> I don't like being a carpenter. I totally hated it. So um, I definitely agree with you on that one. So I just want to pull her back a little bit more into some tactical Amazon stuff here for a second. Um, one thing I've heard you mention is that you do have um, one or two products that they perform um, decently better than the other similar products do on Amazon. So for example, if you type in fidget spinner and everyone else is making $50,000 a month, then your fidget spinner is actually making $80,000 a month. So what do you think are the drivers for that? Like how, how are you getting that extra traffic and that crossover um, stuff there? So when we look at this, we do the terminology of baseball. So we look at what's a home run versus what's just a base hit. So a base hit would be to do a fidget spinner and make 10,000 or 20,000 a month. That would be good, but it's you're, you're, you're under the top of the market. When you have products that are either a product comes into an existing market and goes well above and beyond. So this market was doing 50,000 a month and all of a sudden this competitor comes in and maybe six months or even four months later, it's doing 80,000 or 120,000. Or you already see a market that's like that where there's one guy at the top, the outlier, that is doing that much and everybody else is like, fighting for scraps at the bottom. So when we look at those markets, there's generally stuff that is cognizant across the outliers. And it's usually obviously an incredible amount of reviews and an incredible quality of reviews. So we're not in the, the weight loss game at all. We don't do any weight loss products. But if you go and look at weight loss products on Amazon, you'll notice that the ones that are crushing it have before and after photos uh, that people have attached to their reviews and they're very convincing. In fact, they, some of them have dozens of those. So the review part on Amazon has now become like a competition of who can sell the most in their reviews. And that becomes really popular um, for products that are crushing it. You can also correlate amount of reviews to um, monthly sales. So there's a couple tools out there. Um, market intelligence from viral launch being one of them that you can, uh, basically use their data to correlate how many reviews they have and how many monthly sales they're doing and figure out with some simple math, how many reviews you would need to do something similar. So that all kind of hinges on you having good brand awareness um, and a good brand period, um, a product that actually works and customers really love, um, something that looks a bit more premium 
if, if you were to see that product on a shelf in whatever store you would normally buy it from, so a vitamin store or a toy store or whatever, would it really look like it's been on the shelf for a long time? It's a, you know, a product that you would normally see. You, you would never think twice, oh, why is that product there? Like, it's just, it's meant to be there. It's, you know, as you look at some products here, like, that just looks like it owns the shelf on retail. So you want that type of presence uh, combined with an incredible listing um, and amazing reviews to back it up, plus great marketing on the other front too. So um, we, we gone through that in the past. We, we decided to do products that were looking at the market and then some of those products actually ended up skyrocketing and we crushed the market and now we're the number one and that was just built up over time. And uh, it's about getting, really it's about getting all the pieces together. You probably can't be the number one in your market, especially number one way over the others if you're not crushing it in every aspect. So branding, listing, reviews, everything has to be optimized to a T. I think you get all that stuff together. Your chances of rising up are a lot higher. To be fair though, you don't need that. So there's a couple, like it all depends on your strategy. If you really wanna go knock it out of the park and have the number one product, that's what you would need to do. But there's nothing wrong with having maybe five times as more products but they're all knocking out uh, base hits. Like a base hit is okay. Like you need base hits. You can't just go for home runs. Um, so we try and do a, a, a mix and a balance of the two. Um, it depends on where you're most comfortable and where you wanna take your risk, um, depending on what product categories you're in. Yeah, I like that analogy. Um, one, one interesting analogy that came to mind for me, I used to be a, a downhill skateboard racer and I was always like a little bit more conservative with you know my strategies, like where I'm gonna make a pass, like um, calculated risks. So I would you know I would be going for the base hits all the time, but I definitely had buddies who um, they were going for home runs every single freaking time. You know what I mean? And they were they would crash out probably sixty or seventy percent of the time just yeah. because they're just going for it too hard every single time. So yeah, I think that's a really good analogy of. You don't need to have home run products all the time. Like everyone yeah. says, you can have a bunch of base hits and you can still do pretty good, right? Yeah, totally. Um, so, I mean, that all makes perfect sense. I'm wondering, I don't know if you have any data on this kind of stuff, since obviously Amazon doesn't give you a whole lot of data, but um, more on the really technical marketing side of thing for you marketing nerds out there, I'm wondering how much the Amazon frequently bought together section falls into that, like if your other Ness and Natural's products are yeah. showing each other on the frequently bought together section, and if you're cognizant of that, or maybe maybe sending uh, your email list traffic to those products as well, and how much those two things might factor into um, what we're talking about here. Frequently bought, that's a good question. We don't have as much data supporting that, although I'm just logically thinking, obviously the more products that your brand has that are frequently bought together, the better. So I guess it's more of a question of, how much money do you want to spend and how much time do you want to spend going to create that. For a lot of our products, it happens naturally. So I think one thing that you could do if you don't want to put a lot of time and effort and really go geek out about that is just to choose products that would be frequently bought together. So if you have camping gear, you would have a sleeping bag and a pillow. And those two things are most likely going to be frequently bought together. Um, so I think that's kind of in the natural sense the 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 way to get it without really having to work for it or to 
modify it or to hack it or anything. Um, but with that being said, you could probably do some cool stuff with, um, you know, an email promo. You could, if you have it, you know, and this is the power of having an audience, um, is we can blast out one email tonight and say, hey, we're gonna put these two products on sale. Here's a coupon code. If you go grab them in the next 48 hours, we're gonna give you this. And we're gonna tell people, which, you know, is, companies do this all the time. Like how many times have you seen, get this together and get that, or buy two, get one free, or anything like that. Um, if you have a big enough audience, all you have to do is send out one email or make one social media post, boom, everybody buys it within a 48 hour period. Um, and then you can monitor and see. Um, and see if Amazon sticks it and then see how that goes over time. Um, it just depends on how much money and time you want to spend on that. Yeah, because it could be super powerful. Like you have a massive email list just to do that stuff, right? Um, so the last thing I want to go into here, Kevin, is I know that you're someone who, you do a lot of mastermind group stuff with various other successful business owners. Um, you know, you paid for coaching in the past and stuff like that. Actually, we actually met each other on the plane on the way to Capitalism Conference over Ryan Daniel Branson, right. yeah. uh, which was a, a fun coincidence there. So what I want to know is how much of a difference, like what is the main value that you get from these mastermind groups and, and from the coaching? Um, and how do, you, how do you evaluate if it's a good opportunity for you personally or not? Yeah. So without a question, massive value. So the way at least in the amazon game the way it works is usually the good stuff originates in like a mastermind group or some really smart person is figuring it out and might share a little something here and there or there might be an idea that pops up and you go oh that's a good idea i should i, I should get my team on that or there usually originates within the high level groups probably just because it's high level smart people with all you know a, a common interest put together in the same room it's just that's the formula that kind of breeds new innovation and new strategies and new techniques. So then it kind of filters down out from there to uh, courses and then it goes down to free level podcasts and YouTube and blogs. And gen I mean, we, we think that tactics are important um, and hacks and this, the little kind of tweaks that you can make that are working now, that's like the short-term stuff. We don't ignore that. Um, you know, you'll hear a lot of people talking about focus on the long game, you know, only focus on what works 10 years from now. I think that's a good mindset to have. We definitely have that mindset, but you can't ignore this short-term stuff that's working right now because you can use that as like a little level up in your company. And you get a lot of that through masterminds. You get amazing support. You get to talk to smart people um, that understand what you're going through, um, can relate to you, and offer amazing ideas that can help grow your company. And when you think about it too, whatever amount of money you spend on a mastermind, if you can't really say at the end of the year that your business grew more than, I would even say 10 times, then either it's you or it's just a terrible mastermind and they're charging way too much for it. So use your mind and, and obviously make the right choice and speak to other people about it. Um, but I, I can say that we wouldn't have as big of a company if it weren't for being in a mastermind because of the connections and the opportunities that came from being in one. So uh, that's been hugely powerful. And just as a support network too, like you don't want to do this alone. Like as, as like 
hard-assed and as confident and as like hard-charging you can be at times, um, it's nice to have people around you that totally get it and are just like, man, like that sucked. <laughs> and you can bitch about it, get it out, and then move on to the next thing and know that you're not an idiot, you're not failing, you're actually really succeeding because um, you're in this group with dozens or hundreds of other amazing people. So I would, I would highly recommend it. Um, and I would talk to people, talk to successful people. If there's someone that you really, you know, see that's crushing it, like just ask them, just say like, Hey, like, do you have a group? Do, do you know someone who has a group? Like uh, you'll find out about this th stuff a lot through word of mouth and just asking. So, um, then once you go from there, get into it and figure it out. And I, I think that if you can't, if, if you can't get an ROI from it, there's gotta be something wrong. Like, like you gotta screw it up. Like there is no way that you can be a smart, capable person with a decent business and go into a mastermind and not 10 X your money. Like it's just, something's wrong. Yeah. I love that whole frame of like, yeah, you spend a thousand dollars on a mastermind, but what you learn there and the people that you meet there and all that stuff, probably going to make you at least $10,000 by, you know, if you actually take action on that stuff, right? Love that frame of mind as an investment instead of an expense. Um, and I really like your point about kind of normalizing all the crazy entrepreneurship stuff too. It's, it's really a good reminder to, to know that you're not insane because you're around a, a totally bunch of right. other entrepreneurs who are also doing similar stuff and yeah. it's normal to them, right? So it really normalizes it. Like I remember um, one of my biggest business mentors, um, I, at the time I was going through like a really tough time in business and making some really expensive mistakes. And then he told me a personal story about him getting sued for $13 million and all this crazy stuff and like he lost everything. And then like, he's, he's still good. He rebuilt a business and he's yeah. got several very successful businesses now. And um, really puts it into perspective, right? What totally. you're going through is not the end of the world. Other people have been through crazier or similar things. And exactly. um, so you just got to surround yourself with other entrepreneurs who are equally as crazy as you, right? Yeah, that's <laughs> equally as great. Yeah, that's good. And, you know, um, I heard just at, recently at, at a mastermind a couple of weeks ago that, you know, you don't want to succeed so slowly that you think you're failing. A lot of people go through that where in the long run, like you're just up and to the right the whole time. Uh, but if you look at the day to day, you feel like you're eating shit even when you have a multi-million dollar business. So you have to be careful of that. And when you're around other people that are crushing it or especially people that are lower than you and might have, you know, if, if the mastermind is good, they should have, you know, certain standards and requirements to be in it. They don't let just anyone in. So th there's going to be the low level people just who made the requirements and maybe you're at the middle or the top of the pack. You're going to look down and go, Oh, I used to be one. Cause when we got into the main mastermind that we're in, we just made the cut. Like I'm telling you the, the requirement was like a million dollars a year or something. Like we made the cut by like a day, like <laughs> we just scraped in. And we're there for the first meeting and that meeting we met a seller who was doing $2 million a month and we were doing 80 something and we just went, whoa, like your mind just explodes when you figure out, like you think that you're doing good, <laughs> just wait until you hear some of what other people are doing um, and that really can motivate you and inspire you. 
Yeah, I'm super with you on the mastermind things, Kevin. So I've noticed that you've been doing a lot more speaking engagements. You know, you're you're with us here and doing this podcast. Uh, you just you spoke at Capitalism Conference. Um, it's, it seems you're you're working on a personal brand and you're trying to build a platform for sure. maybe getting yeah. a certain message out there. Totally. Do you have a Do you have a certain direction that you you want to really take your your personal brand or something you're, you're passionate about yeah. sharing with the world? Yeah, it's something. So I want to create uh, treat this like a creative project and do something that goes against the rules of this. Like you know, because I grew up doing marketing and grew up in my business life. You know, marketing. I'm CMO of of Nested and. You know, I think in terms of marketing. So I want to do something that gets out to people, but is done in a totally different way. And my whole thing is, I just want to show um, the the realness and and not like the Gary Vaynerchuk yelling realness. Because <laughs> like I love Gary V, like amazing. I've he he signed a copy of Crush It for me and wrote my name in it. Like I'm framing that. Like the dude is is awesome. Um, but there's a certain expectation and there's a certain uh mold that that all entrepreneurs fit into there's like either get rich and be successful or four hour work week and there there isn't much of like a identity in between that when it comes to being an entrepreneur um there's parents there's young people there's old people like it's very diverse and i don't really see that showing up in terms of content on youtube so I'm just like this dude trying to figure it out and I'm going to throw some stuff up on YouTube and just see how it goes and try and show what actually goes on behind the scenes because um, I don't think that I've done anything special or remarkable um, beyond just keep pushing. Um, and that's led me down this path of being able to have, you know, this massive company and, you know, live in this incredible city and, and have all these amazing things. You know, I get to do podcasts on what is it, four o'clock on a Tuesday, like, you know, just all these random cool things. And, and I want to show more of that to just kind of open people's eyes up to, to see what you can do, especially being so young with no college degree as well. So I don't know what I'm doing. That's more of the story is I don't know what I'm doing and I don't care because we'll just, we'll figure it out. Well, Kevin, you certainly have a, an air of authenticity around you. I love the positioning of what you're trying to do. Just like this is really how it is to be an entrepreneur and this is my experience and everything like that. You're also a really good public speaker, so I'm sure you're gonna be successful in that venture there. Where can people where can people follow you when it comes to that? Yeah, so I mean shoot, you probably damn it, I haven't set it up yet. Um, bear with me, still working on the social media part. Um, just Google my name. So look me up on Instagram or YouTube. Those will probably be the two biggest things. I think Instagram and YouTube will be like my main hub. Um, so look me up there, connect, um, shoot me a DM, uh, let me know what's good, and then I'll try and get back to you. So yeah, yeah, guys, and we'll update this in the show notes too. If you go to the blog post for this podcast, actualizefreedom.com slash 18, then uh, we'll update the links on there once Kevin's got that all set up. But man, it was an absolute pleasure to have you on here. Thanks for having me, man. So many golden nuggets just raining down on you. Super inspiring to see what you're doing at 25 years of age, just a couple blocks away from where we are right now, man. Um, come hang out anytime. Door's always open. Excellent. Yeah, it'd be cool to come see your, your meditation room and all the awesome stuff. I know you got totally. set up in the office there. Well, yeah, it's fun. Thank you so much, man. And um, definitely reach out to Kevin if you want to hear more about his new project going on there. And see you on the next episode. This podcast is sponsored by Kenji ROI. Obsessively optimized copywriting, product photography, videos, and PPC for a highly cohesive feel and high conversion rate. 
Avoid expensive miscommunication with freelancers who don't understand Amazon. Kenji ROI's team has produced over 600 Amazon listings responsible for multi-millions in annual sales for their clients. Clients know they're covered with Kenji's guarantees. After work has been delivered, their experts help you resolve any potential issues or concerns to an extreme level. If you're still not happy, you'll get a full refund. What kind of crazy guy makes a guarantee like that? Listeners of the Actualized Freedom Podcast get a 10% discount for life on all Kenji ROI listing creation services, but only for the first 50 claims. Type in go.kenjiroi.com slash AF. Pause this podcast right now and claim your code. Like I said, once 50 are claimed, they're gone forever. So go now to go.kenjiroi.com slash AF. That's go.kenjiroi.com slash AF to get your code now. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Actualize Freedom with Wilson and Danny online at actualizefreedom.com. If you liked today's episode, please review and subscribe and we'll catch you next time.